are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Matthew chapter 20, we'll begin reading with the first verse. I'd like to read to you one of the parables that Jesus told. In Matthew chapter 20, we'll read the first 16 verses. And may the Lord speak to our hearts today out of the blessed Word of God. Matthew 20, verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. I'd like you to see now what the parable is really talking about. It's talking about a man that hired laborers to work into his vineyard. And he hired some in the very early morning. He hired some about mid-morning. He hired others at noon. He hired some about the middle of the afternoon. Then he hired some in the late afternoon. And when the evening came and he was ready to pay these people, the householder paid every one of them the same amount. You might say, well, that was not very fair to do. But the householder kept his agreement with them. He paid them exactly what he agreed to pay. And I think the Lord in this parable, among many other things, is teaching us that we're not to look at other people. It was none of their business. They had agreed to work and work for a certain amount, and the man had kept his promise, and their eyes should not have been on others. But now listen. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. And he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will, with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. 
For many be called, but few are chosen. Let's read the next three verses. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Now notice with me this morning, verse 6 especially. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. Now here, this man who hired many people went out about when there was about one hour yet of the working day. And he said to people in the marketplace, Why stand ye here idle all the day? Why stand ye here all the day idle? And they said, Because no man hath hired us. And I want to speak to you today on the subject, Standing idle amidst the spoiling harvest. What a parable this is. Here is a man that had many fields that need to be reaped and to be harvested. And he had to literally beg people to work. This has always been that way. I do not know of a more pertinent question this morning to ask the Christian, the child of God, than this. Why stand ye here all the day idle? Someone has said there are three ways that a person could be lazy. And I heard an old, great old preacher one time years ago say, There's a cure for every disease in the world except the disease of laziness. There are three ways a person can be lazy. You can be lazy physically. People that don't want to work. Our country is filled with people who do not want to work. I heard, read a little something the other day about some of these folks in our country that they make a whole system, a whole plan out of living without working. One of them said to another one of these people, um, you wait here, he said, I'm going to get my, my welfare check and then I'll go and make a payment on my Cadillac and then you and I are going to go and we're going to pick it against this unfair system of government. You know, that's a funny thing in a way, but it's the truth. you got a lot of people who want to live without working, physical laziness. I believe a person can be mentally lazy. If God could have this morning all the potential that's in the minds of people in this house set to work for Jesus Christ, it would shake this whole city. A lot of people are mentally lazy. I believe a person can be spiritually lazy. And that's what the Lord no doubt is talking about here. Why stand ye here all the day idle? Now then, I think there are a number of ways that people show spiritual laziness. I think it's uh, true often about the soul development. You know, you are responsible when you're saved. You become responsible to God to grow in grace as a Christian. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, no Christian should ever quit growing. No Christian should ever quit growing. I believe there's a many a Christian today 
in a state of stagnation and in a state of suspension and not really growing. And the Bible says we are to grow in our soul's development. If you have a little child, and we have hundreds of little children in this, in this church, if you have a little child, you can depend on four things that child is going to need. It's going to need food. God says a Christian needs food. Desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. A child needs exercise. You can exercise by doing what God said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You need spiritual health. You need fellowship. And all these things contribute to the growth of a Christian. I believe with all my heart there are many Christians who have not grown very much since they've been saved. Roland Hill, a great preacher, used to tell of watching a child on a rocking horse. Said he watched that child for an hour rock back and forth on that horse, rocking horse, over and over and over again. Then Roland Hill said, I observed that the child got off just exactly where he got on. And I think sometimes there are Christian people who spiritually are in the same place right now that they were when they first got saved. Now, that's, that's what I think Jesus is talking about when he says, Why stand ye here all the day idle? I believe a Christian ought to be doing something for the Lord. We got so many people waiting for something to happen before they ever start doing anything for Jesus. Some folks are waiting for a call, they say. You're never going to get any more calls than you already have. Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you to become fishers of men. Some folks are waiting for a vision. You're not going to have any vision. You have a verse that says that every Christian is to do something for Jesus Christ. Why stand ye here all the day idle? J. Wilbur Chapman had this rule for Christian living. He said, anything that dims my vision of Christ or takes away my taste for Bible study or cramps my prayer life or makes a Christian work more difficult is wrong for me and I must, as a Christian, turn away from it. You know, I hear preachers preaching, for instance, about television. I, I heard one preacher tell about how a fellow took his out in the yard and shot it to death. I think he said he put 21 rifle bullets in his television. Now, that's stupid and dumb. You know, you can take the, the daily newspaper, if you want to, and find pornography in it and something that will damage your soul. But I will say this. I believe if a television set keeps a question from serving the Lord, it's a sin and it's an idol in their life. And I believe anything that dims your vision of Christ and makes your prayer life cramped and keeps you, makes it more difficult uh, for you to serve the Lord is something wrong and it keeps a Christian from growing. I believe this verse can be applied to people defending the faith. You know, I never saw so many people uh, reluctant to defend the faith. And the Bible plainly tells us that we are to defend it. Jude 1, 3, 
Beloved, when I gave all of diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. I preached them down another state a few, few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. The next night, some people came to me. The night I preached, I took the Word of God. As best I know how, I took the Bible. And right out of the Bible, I preached on what a Christian is to do and to be if he's going to be a separated Christian. And right out of the Holy Word of God, I preached it and took the Scriptures and proved that a Christian is to be a separated person. The next night, someone came to me and said, There was a group of people here last night that listen to you preach and say that a Christian ought not to be identified with any person, any church, any movement, any type of evangelism that violates the Word of God. And this man said, and they all said when they left, we're not going to come back and hear any more of that kind of preaching. And a fellow said to me, what do, you, what do you say about that? I'll tell you what I say about that. I say goodbye. That's what I say. I believe that a Christian is duty-bound if he believes the Word of God to help defend the faith. And I don't know why a preacher should have to do it and not have the help of other people. There's coming to our city a campaign. And tonight, I want to show you tonight in the 6 o'clock service, I want to show you the pictures of some people who will be participating in that campaign. You say, preacher, you're fighting someone and something that seems to be doing good. Listen, I believe that when one violates the Word of God, they are not doing good, and they're not glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe every Christian ought to be as zealous about defending the faith as this preacher preaching right here this morning. You know what the word contend means? When Jude said that I had to earnestly contend for the faith, it means engage in contest. It means to wrestle. That's what it means. It means to put forth some effort. It means to lay hold on the enemy in order to contend with the faith. And I want to tell you something. I believe with all of my heart that a Christian has no right whatsoever to fellowship with people who do not believe this Bible is the inspired Word of God. And I believe that it's a sin for a Christian to fellowship with people who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know, I, I'm not a Catholic. I never could be, and I have some definite reasons. But I told a bunch of preachers the other day, and they nearly dropped their eye teeth out. I said, I've got more respect for Catholics than I have liberals and modernists. And I have. You take a Catholic, he believes Jesus was virgin-born. He believes the Bible to be the Word of God. He may talk about some books in between the Old and New Testaments. They're not inspired. But I'd rather have somebody that believes in the blood and Jesus than somebody that takes away from the deity of Jesus Christ. And the Word of God says, If they're coming unto you and preach not this doctrine, bid him not God's speed, for you become a partaker of your evil deeds. 
There's a church I could get to in my automobile in a minute and a half from this church here that ruined the life, the ministry of a good man in this town who wanted to stand like how many preachers ought to stand. And a church said, we won't stand with you. And they broke his heart, and he left. And I believe judgment, the judgment of God will come on a church like that. Why stand ye here idle all the day long when there the faith is to be defended? I read in the newspaper, and it's been mentioned hundreds of times, years ago, and it's happened, I guess, hundreds of times. Uh, you know, nobody's safe this day and time. Uh, they break into houses and, and um, molest old people and, and rape little children, little sweet girls, and, and nobody's safe this day and time. We're living in a land of literal crime and anarchy. Uh, I guess every person ought to have a shotgun in this house. That's about the way it's come to this day and time. I read where some people saw a woman being attacked in the city of Detroit. And uh, witnesses said, one after another, I think nearly 20 people said, I don't want to get involved. Why, that's repulsive to everybody here. Why, everybody here say, well, well, that's awful. See some poor old woman being beat to death. And uh, folks stand around and watch it and say, I don't want to get involved. Listen. What do you think about it when the Lord's Word is being attacked and the deity of Jesus Christ is being ridiculed and folks say, I don't want to get involved? That's a far worse sin. Broke into a home uh, not too long ago, sweet old lady, like my sweet mother. And they said, you got money and we want it. And she said, I don't have any money. I'm a poor woman. And um, they cut off one of her fingers. And they said, if you don't give us what you have, we'll cut off your hands. Listen, that's why I believe there ought to be capital punishment in this country. I don't believe that there's any doubt but what the Bible teaches. And a lot of folks will say, oh, you're a hard-hearted preacher. Some years ago, I, I wrote some articles and the, and the, the, free, the press here in this city uh, wanted to publish them and they did and they deleted them and, and folks began to write in and say, how could anybody in the world believe in taking somebody's life? Listen, God's Word said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And as long as there's no punishment to this kind of a people in this country, there's going to be more of it. And it's got to work that a whole, the whole United States is hardly a place to live. I talk to people afraid to go downtown. I talk to people that lock their home at night and bar the doors with furniture every night before they can go to bed. God have mercy. I got off the subject a little bit, but I sure enjoyed getting off of it. But I believe people ought to defend the faith. You know, I hear, I love missionaries. I really do. I think I could say with God as my witness this morning that I love missionaries. And I think I, God would bear witness with me that I do. And I've tried to help them and stand behind them and support them and raise money for them and encourage them and to help them. I love missionaries. But I've heard missionaries for years. Use a verse in the Bible. I don't in any manner whatsoever agree with their interpretation. They go across the ocean to some mission field. They come back through our churches and they go to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 24. And they read this verse. 
But as his part is, that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be, that tarrieth by the stuff, they shall part alike. You know what they're saying? They say, if we went out to where the battle was, you stayed here and guarded the place. Listen, let's sit down and quit running around. Nobody wants to see that plaid shirt. Folks moving around all the time. You come to the house of God, you ought to act like a gentleman. I believe that a Christian is in the battle. I believe with all my heart that a Christian who is obedient to the Bible and sensitive to the Spirit of God will know he's in a battle. Yes, as he, he'll have the same reward as we that go to the battle. I got news for missionaries. You live for God in the good old USA, and you're going to be in a battle. And you're going to know that you are. And I believe that Christians ought to be willing to defend the faith. I get so tired of folks saying, Why, did you hear that preacher? He spoke out against Dr. So-and-so. Listen, Dr. So-and-so needs to be spoken out against. You violate the Word of God. I don't care what it looks like. I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. I believe the Bible. And I believe that the Bible says if a person has fellowship with one that does not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, I believe God says he is partaker of his evil deeds. Oh, somebody said, but Brother Malone, you're just jealous. You see all those results. Listen, I'd be the biggest fool in the world to be jealous. God's been so good to me, I don't know anything else in the world that I need that I don't have. What I got in the world to be jealous of for? Nothing. They said, look at all those results. Listen, do you know that when one day God said to Moses, go and speak to the rock, the children of Israel are thirsty and they need water to drink. And old Moses got mad. God help me, I'm about to myself. And Moses got mad and he struck the rock and he struck his people and he said, you rebels, here's the water. And I know that folks stood around and said, why, look at the people drink that water. Isn't that a wonderful miracle? He hit that rock and the water came out. And water is what they needed. And water is what the people wanted. And water is what they got. And Moses got it. But God said, I told you to speak to it, not hit it. And God said for this, you'll never enter the promised land. God's interested in how his work is done. And God has specified how he wants it done. And I don't believe anybody can ever please God and violate one jot or tittle of that holy book of God. And I think every Christian ought to be as zealous to defend the faith as this preacher or any other preacher that's trying to preach what the Bible says. Why stand ye here all the day I? Schools are denying the Bible. Colleges take uh, lay great emphasis on discrediting the book of Genesis, the book of Jonah, the deity of Jesus, the efficacy of the blood, the verities of God's holy word. Why should a Christian stand back and see all this happen and never do anything about it? I, I think this verse applies to the winning of souls. Why stand ye here all the day idle? You see, there's a harvest and the spoiling. I told the folks here, Wednesday night about a, a, a little a thing that I saw on the television. I won't tell it again this morning. I never had anything move my heart anymore. I was in another state a few nights ago in my motel room. The 11 o'clock news came on. 
And they begin to tell about a boat capsizing in the river at Cincinnati, Ohio. A boat 22 feet long, out of two men and one six-year-old boy. And um, they hit a wire and capsized the boat. The man driving the boat was an uncle to the boy, brother to the boy's father. He came up and he looked for his brother and he couldn't see him. Finally, he saw him and both of them at the same time said, where's the kid? And the little six-year-old boy, beautiful child, beautiful child, was nowhere to be seen. They were absolutely heartbroken. They sent out a boat and hooked onto that boat. They rescued the two men out of the water. And by this time, the, the TV cameras were down where it was all taking place and made the pictures, and it all was televised so everybody could see exactly how it happened. Pulled that boat to land. I saw a big old man, looked like he's about 50 years of age, stripped down to his waist. And when that boat came and they put a big hook on the side of it and turned it up, I saw that big old man jump in it. He began to jerk things and throw things and open doors. And everywhere he could find something, he moved it and jerked it and threw it away and opened every door. And finally, he reached in the compartment, got a hold of a little arm, and he screamed to the top of his voice, Here's the kid! Threw him out upon the bank, got down over him, and gave his breath to his body, and they ministered to him. And a big old policeman in a moment said, He's breathing! I saw him pick him up and I saw the little lad wipe the water from his eyes and his face. And his father took him and went away saying, Thank God, thank God, thank God. I say to you this morning, where's the kid? Our feet are full of them. And no Christian cares. I say to you this morning, where's the youth? They're seeking something because we've never provided it for them. And because they think Christians don't care. I say to you this morning, when people talk about a bus ministry that goes out and shakes the bushes and brings little children into the house of God, and somebody says, why, those bus kids are ruining our church. So what is built to be ruined? It's built to get people saved. And when a church says, well, I'm not interested in those or those, but I am in these, they're of departing from the Word of God, for God so loved the world. Why stand ye here? I know Jesus says, when the whole world's going to hell. I think about Brother, brother uh, Lyons Lawson's talking this morning about going visiting. You know, visitation, you, you got it made. Did you ever think about it? You can't go to the wrong house. I thought I was the wrong house a lot of times. But you can't go to the wrong house. There's no house that doesn't need to have you knock on the door. You can't go to the wrong house. You can't go uh, to the wrong person. You can't speak to the wrong person. Everybody needs to be spoken to. You cannot possibly go to the wrong home. Every home needs to be gone to. I look at this audience here on Sunday morning. This church nearly filled here, nearly filled in this time of year. God willing, when the fall comes, there won't be room for everybody. I look at this church and I look at that little crowd that comes down there on Thursday night to go visiting. And I think in God's name, where are those hundreds and hundreds of people 
that ought to be here to help get the folks saved. Why stand ye here idle all the day long? You know, there's Christian service to be done. Everybody has something to do, ought to have something to do. I never will forget the story of Lady Huntington. She one day spoke to her gardener, and she said to her gardener, Are you a Christian? He said, Yes, Your Majesty, I am. She had some doubt, so she, Lady Huntington, a wonderful Christian, explained to him anyway how to be saved. When, when she explained to him and got all through, he said, But I know that I am saved. She said, Well, God bless you for that. What neither of them knew was on the other side of the wall. There was another man working there listening to the whole conversation. When she said, All have sinned and come short to the glory of God, he said, That's me. When she said, God so loved the world, he gave his own begotten son, whosoever believeth shall not perish, but have everlasting life, he said, that applies to me. When she says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest, he said, that's me. She said, all that cometh unto me, I'll in no wise cast out, he said, that's me. And on the other side of the wall, while she talked to one man who said he was saved, another man who knew he was lost got saved. You can't go to the wrong house. You can't speak to the wrong person. The family sits in this church every Sunday. I never will forget going to their house. You talking about thinking you'd gone to the wrong house. I went there in the wintertime. It looked like the traffic's going around the back. These folks in this church every Sunday, I don't know whether they'll know who they are by this description or not, but they're the biggest dog in the backyard I ever saw. And I, I'll always wonder, now you sweet dear people, you'll forgive me, I'll always wonder uh, why you were so unwise to put a chain on that dog that reached to the knob of the back door where people had to go in. I walked up to that door, and, and I started to knock on the door, and this dog came, biggest dog I ever saw. I'm not exaggerating. He looked like he stood that high, and he had teeth that long, and he started talking to me. And he said to me, now you're not going in that door. I said, yeah, I'm going in that door. You see, I had just given a lecture in the seminary on soul winning, and I said, you can scare dogs to death if you have the courage of the Lord. Well, I've spoken to dogs many times, and they put the tail between the legs and run on the porch. But this fellow hadn't heard of me. I said, I'm here to, I have a card in my pocket, had a yellow card with their names on it. I said, I'm going in that house. He said, no, you're not going in that house. I said, I am too. He said, no, you're not. Well, to make a long story short, he was right. When I saw how long that chain was, I went back and got in my car and parked in the driveway. Now, you're not going to believe this. I know how folks think about preacher stories. I got in that car and cranked it up. It sat on level ground. The ground was frozen. And for 30 minutes, I couldn't get out of that driveway. I worked up for sweat until there wasn't a dry thread on my body. I pulled that card out again and looked at it and rammed it in my pocket. And about half mad, finally got that car out of there. And I said, I've done all I can do. I'm not going back anymore. Uh, no dog's going to grin at me like that one did. And tell me what he told me, and me go back for more. I was out visiting about two days after that, and the Lord seemed to say, What about that house where the dog scared you to death the other day? 
The Lord didn't talk out loud. If he ever does, he scared me to death. But that's what I felt. I got the card out, and I got to looking at it again. I said, well, I'll go back again. Now listen, stay with me. You're not going to believe this. I know you're not. I don't believe you. I wouldn't believe it. If it hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't believe it. In fact, hold it, I wouldn't believe it. I went back. Here's the dog. Nobody at home. He said to me, you back here again? I said, yes. So you're not going to that house. Now, I know some of you folks sitting down there and you say, now, dogs don't talk. I'm just telling you what the dog said to me. That's all I know. He said, you're not going in that house. I said, yes, I am. He said, no, you're not. Well, you know, I got, shall I say I got nervous? Or I guess what I got, I was yellow. I went back and got in my car. This is the truth, so help me if I ever told it. Forty-five minutes on level ground in that driveway. I spun my wheels. I kicked gravel with my feet under the wheels. I did everything. I could not get out. I jammed that card in my pocket, and I thought the neighbors are looking out among the shades and saying, look at that fool Baptist preacher out there. Can't even get out of the driveway. He ought to have a keeper. He ought not to be going visiting. A few nights later, I thought I'd better take somebody with me. That bad dog over there, so I took Miss Malone along. <laughs> and lo and behold, the people were at home. To make a long story short, that time they were saved. Many of their loved ones have been saved, and many in the years they brought down this aisle. I'm saying you can't go to the wrong place. When God said go, and you're sent of God, God directs your steps. Why stand ye idle when there's something to be done for the Lord? They said to Anne Hazeltine, uh, who was going to marry Adoniram Judson, they said to her, if you marry that man, you'll pay a price. He's going to the infested jungles of Burma. Fourteen days later, she married him, saying, when I fell in love with Adoniram Judson, God called me to go where he goes. And so she went. There were six years without a convert. She visited him many days in a rat-infested jail and could only talk to him through the bars. She saw his body waste away until he almost died of jungle diseases, but she stuck by him. And when Adoniram Judson died, there were 63 churches in Burma and 7,000 Christians. And let me tell you, friend, there'll never be any good done for the Lord until God's people give themselves to it. Why stand ye idle when the coming of the Lord draws nigh? Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus which you see taken into the heavens shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. One day Jesus, just before opened the eyes of a blind man, said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Why stand ye here all the day idle? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and every heart lifted to God. O oh, Holy Father, we come before you this morning so conscious of our shortcomings and frailties and sins. 
We come before you today to ask us to ask you to help us to stand as we ought to stand. No matter what be the opinions of men, may our hearts be as sensitive to the will of God. We pray that I will bless these people. We thank you for them and we love them, and thou knowest that we do. But Lord, this morning, how I do pray thou will speak to hearts and draw people to thyself. And Lord, may people be set on fire. The world's on fire. May the hearts of Christians burn to see something done for Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray today if there's one here lost, not saved, this will be that glorious golden moment when they step out of darkness into light. Help them to be saved. Do thy work, O Holy Spirit of God, for we depend upon thee. And this we ask in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNBBC.com for Christian music you can trust.